You are now about to enter. Now, now, now about to enter. Victoria Stowell's Positively Podcast. Entered. Entered. Now. Featuring world-renowned dog trainer and host of Animal Planets, it's me or the dog, Victoria Stillwell. Now, here's Victoria Stillwell and her co-host, Holly Furfer. Very exciting. We have another, I guess you could say, episode of Positively Podcast. I'm Holly Furfer with Victoria Stillwell. It's Mir the Dog and the world-renowned animal trainer. Hi, Victoria. Hi. Very exciting. We're back again. We are, and we have got a lot of great topics to talk about today. First thing, as we talked about last time, you are heading up to North Carolina for Puppy Mill Awareness Day. We talked a lot about that. How did it go? It went really well. The response was phenomenal. We had we had loads and loads of people there. We had representatives there. We had um, a, a massive turnout. I think actually Great. more than than was expected. And it just shows how the people of North Carolina they are taking a stand against it, and we're just hoping that legislation passes. So you went up to North Carolina because there was a big, I guess you could say, puppy mill bust where they shut down a puppy mill, and the video was horrific if you'd seen it online. And um, I know the Humane Society has it online, but just puppy mills in general, you're trying to stop them. We are, and in fact, North Carolina is the puppy mill haven now because other states are getting wise and new laws are coming out that restrict what a puppy miller can do, but North Carolina still hasn't passed them. So now all the puppy millers are moving to North Carolina. We're trying to get the laws changed there. And m- my message was to... A, to open people's eyes up about what's happening in their state. Mm-hmm. And, and B, to show them, you know, you're being conned. The dogs that you're buying from your state come from these places that uh, are compromised both health-wise and mentally as well, as well as being brought up in horrendous conditions. And you're buying them, you're being conned. And the response was phenomenal. I, I really hope that people are going to support uh, the the need for change and it's going to happen if it doesn't happen this year it will happen next year and finally what's beginning to happen around the united states is these puppy millers have nowhere to go mm, chase them out we're chasing them out of every single state or we're putting restrictions on every single state now these dogs being sold from the north carolina puppy mills though they could be sold in california or texas so it doesn't just affect North Carolina, it affects everyone across the country. And if you do get a dog from one of these so-called puppy mills, you're pretty much complicit. Yeah, you really are. And again, you've just got to be very, very savvy, do your research, be very careful when you buy a dog from the classified section of a newspaper or a magazine, from the internet, or and don't. Do not go buy a puppy from a pet store, no matter if they say, oh, our puppies don't come from puppy mills, because every single pet store will say that. Well, no, 99% of puppy mill dogs are sold through pet Mm. stores. What was the reaction of those who came out to support stronger legislation and banning puppy mills? I think the the reaction, and it was interesting, because there were a lot of people who just turned up, didn't really know what was going on, and turned up and, and listened to the speeches and said, we never knew. We never knew this was going on. And now our eyes have been opened, and we're going to we're going to sign petitions, and we are going to help fight this, because people just aren't aware. 
were there, was there anybody there who actually supported, and I don't mean, you know, oh, that's great to have a place like this, but just sort of defended what they were doing breeding dogs on mass. I think that there was one man that actually came up to me and after he heard me speak he said you know are you attacking all breeders and I said absolutely not we're talking about puppy millers here mm-hmm. we're talking about people who have a, a large amount of breeding bitches and they make millions and millions of dollars off them we're not talking about wow. the responsible breeder who breeds for the love of the breed we're not talking about a, a breeder who wants to perfect their line and to to make a certain breed stronger and healthier and have a love and passion for their dogs. I'm not attacking those kind of breeders, but I am attacking the puppy millers. Yes, and I'll continue to do so until every single puppy mill is controlled in the state or this state and other states or until we don't have puppy puppy mills at all. Perfect. And uh, you have pictures of the event, right, on on the website? Yes. You can go to Facebook.com, Victoria Stillwell. You can go to Positively.com, my website. You can see pictures of the rally. It was a fantastic day. Fantastic. And you've been doing some traveling, too. Yeah, actually, it was my mother's 70th birthday. Maybe I shouldn't even say that, but um, <laughs> no, I'm quite proud. She, she really looks 10 years younger than she actually is. And uh, great. she had wanted to celebrate in Venice because Venice was the place where my father proposed to her. Oh, how romantic. In 1963. Wow. And um, my father, unfortunately, passed away seven years ago. But my mother felt like if she went to Venice, she'd feel close to him because it's a very special place to her. So we had 26 family and friends there. I went over for five days, spoiled my mother for five days. It was wonderful. It's a magical place. If you want a place to go that is romantic, (laughs) that is like no other place on earth, Venice is it. It is just the most incredible city I've I've ever been to. It is so completely different. What a great opportunity to celebrate that place. What a great opportunity to celebrate your mom. Yeah. That's really neat. Yeah, and she's, you know, she's, my mother was a ballerina. She oh, danced wow. with the Royal Ballet, and she was um, really, started dancing when she was three years old, and her dance teacher even then said to my grandmother, mm-hmm. this child, is is must dance she must dance so at nine my mother took her to london to see this ballet master who taught all the greats and um my grandmother asked to see this ballet master if he could teach her child Mm -hmm. and he said no i don't teach children and my grandmother said well you will when you see this one and he saw her and he said she was amazing and he taught her and so she danced for many years until she was 24 and the fact is that uh, she did a lot of film for the BBC, a lot of ballet for the BBC, and a lot of the old ballets with Margot Fontaine and Michael Soames and Nureyev, they were, they were filmed. Wow. I managed to track down a film of her dancing in the 1957 production of The Nutcracker with Margot Fontaine, and there's my mother. And that was her birthday present that I gave her on the day of her birthday. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I wonder, can we put that up online somewhere? I would love to see that. I don't know. I think it could be copyright issues, but okay. if we can, I mean, I can certainly put Let's a picture of my it. mother dancing up online. I'm very proud of her. She, she's an amazing lady, and she's she was a ballet teacher for 35 years as well. So, oh, that's of course, great. I did ballet for 13 years it was terrible and had the wrong feet but there you go <laughs> it's terrible. funny you say that my mom was a ballet dancer as well was she mm-hmm. but then she had me there yes, was yes, yes exactly so, um, that's I'm the sure same. she would be upset about uh, me talking about that but uh, and your mom you know, still lives in the UK correct she lives in the UK yes so you get, to, do you get to see her a lot going to visit I do and I visited the UK as well with her so we, we, we try and get to see each other as much as possible and of course she comes over here 
That's great. And so Alex must be the most well-traveled child ever going. <laughs> Alex has more air miles than you could possibly imagine that poor child. And in fact, when she was three years old, because was working in England and filming in England uh -huh. and going back and forth, at three years old, she pointed up to the sky in an aeroplane and she said, I live there. As she, she pointed up the aeroplane, she absolutely said that. And my husband and I looked at each other and thought, oh, my gosh, we're doing something <laughs> wrong. So then we decided to settle in Atlanta. Give, give the poor child a bit of stability. I love when she's a pilot, though, she'll thank you. Yes, she will. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay, I want to talk to you about something, um, too. I have a lot of questions. You know, we were talking a little bit about puppy mills, but sort of along the line of changing legislation is animal cruelty. Yes. And uh, you and I, was it last year, almost a year ago, we worked with the uh, Humane Society and anti-dog fighting. Uh, they're trying to, you know, in light of the Michael Vick situation and pit bulls. But um, I, I learned a lot that night at, at that uh, fundraiser. And I guess I was surprised at how many states, including Georgia, have such lenient animal cruelty laws. Why is that? Why are we sort of living in the Stone Age, as if it were? Well, actually, I think it's changing. I think people, mm -hmm. people, uh, you know, are realizing actually how serious animal cruelty is because there is a very, very definite connection between animal cruelty and um, spousal abuse, domestic abuse, child molestation, uh, and general crime. So uh, animal cruelty cannot be overlooked. And I think, I think, People are now beginning to get wise to it that because of this connection, we have to take it seriously. And so I did the animal law conference, the cruelty conference here. I spoke at it in mm -hmm. Georgia. Um, to and, and the conference really was to get everybody and anybody who works with the business of animal cruelty from the animal control officers to the prosecutors, sorry, the animal control officers to the prosecutors, we wanted them to get them together in the same room mm -hmm. so they could network, they could meet each other, find out what each other does because in so many cases, so many cases are falling by the wayside. So many cases that should be prosecuted and are felonies, they get misdemeanors. Right. Uh, and that's because there's no time to try them um, and there just aren't enough people to work on them and also because people don't really know how to effectively work on an animal cruelty case because it's the last thing that really comes at the end of the day um, on, on any kind of roster, it, it's put aside. And now we're saying this can't happen right. because in so many cases, a case of animal abuse has led yes. to okay, there's something more going on in this home than just animal abuse. The children are being abused. The wife is being abused. And so uh, that's something that's very, that I'm very, very passionate about, spreading that word. And, you know, years ago when I worked at CNN as a medical correspondent, I actually did a story about a woman in New York, and there was research done that showed that a lot of times people who begin with abusing animals move on to abusing humans. And they found that if they could identify those people and try and go in and, and stop that behavior and work with them and rehabilitate them before they go on to abusing a human being. Not that it's any less of an offense or a crime to abuse an animal, but there's an, there is an opportunity to prevent it from going further. And I guess along the line of what you were just talking about, if you have no time for it, it's an animal, it's at the end of the day, you kind of slough it off as, well, it's a dog. For those who don't understand a life is a life, they're actually missing an opportunity to prevent something a lot worse or even further. Yes, and they are. And, you know, I mean, the statistics are, are, are worrying because 88% 88, 88 of um, people who 
abuse their children, for example, also mm -hmm. abuse their animals. Huh. So that just shows you there that statistic is very frightening, and it's something that we need to take very seriously. So I I'm working along with um, prosecutors in this county to really start to help and start to give evidence on animal cruelty cases and this is something that I'm taking very very seriously because there's just too much of it going on and I know obviously there's too much of it going on around the states around right. the world but certainly in the county where I live we can start there do you think if you maybe the fact that these people are they go on to abuse people children from Kid, from animals, do you think that that would then maybe lead these officers and, and law enforcement to take it more seriously, to prosecute yeah. a crime of abuse to an animal before it becomes abuse to a child? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, unfortunately, when, when a child witnesses abuse on their animals, a number of things that can happen. Um, animals are abused uh, because it's a feeling of power. It's mm -hmm. a way to get back at a family. Um, it's a way to to threaten violence to that family. This is going to happen to you. What happened to your animal is going to happen to you. A lot of children witnessing this kind of abuse can go on to abuse the animals themselves. Some children will will maim, hurt, or even kill their animals to stop their animals going through pain mm. from their from their right. abuser. Right. And um, obviously, there are children that will see that their parents do this and will go on to do it themselves. And a lot of children, a lot of children that do abuse animals can go on to really, really serious crimes towards adults when they get older. You know, going back years, um, uh, when I worked for CNN in the Detroit Bureau, uh, we covered what we called the Dahmer dig, Jeffrey Dahmer, who went on to do horrific uh, commit horrific crimes. We went to his house in Ohio, and they were digging up around his house. First of all, they wanted to see if there was any human human beings buried around there. If he had started killing when he was young, they didn't find any human bones, but what they did find is a lot of animals, uh, animal bones, dogs, cats, rabbits, anything that, you know, you can imagine that he could catch, he killed. And I wonder, had somebody intervened then and stepped in, if it might have been a different story for Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, you, 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 you bet. And um, I think that is the first sign when kids are harming animals. Uh, I think it's an extremely serious sign and shouldn't be taken lightly. And if it is seen, something, somebody should intervene. On a side note, and, and this is something I want to talk about at length at a, at a future date, but I want to put it on people's radars, Ahimsa House. Talk about how this great organization. Yeah, it is an organization that takes in the animals of victims that are trying to flee domestic abuse because most uh, women's shelters don't take in the animals. And in fact, a lot of women would rather not leave because they know if they leave a home where there is abuse, that their animals will be abused and they want to be able to protect their animals. So women stay in their homes or women will take... Um, take their animals with them and live in their car, for example. So Ahimsa House is an amazing place that helps with all kinds of pets, take in, um, takes in the pets whilst the women get themselves into a better situation. And then they can get their pets back. They don't have to relinquish their pet. They can get their pet back. Or if this person can't take care of it, they will find a, uh, a good home for them. Yeah. And it just sort of goes along with that abusive situation where if a woman leaves, they're afraid that this person will turn and then turn on that animal and abuse the animal. Yeah. 
And I guess we can link uh, the Ahimsa House website if people are interested in finding out more. And we'll talk more about it in the fall. There's a big fundraiser that I'm going to be a part of. And I think if you have the time, you may be a part of too. But we'll talk about that. And uh, we can put it, though, on uh, Positively.com. The website will put the link there so you can find out more about Ahimsa House. Great organization to volunteer or donate to. I'd like to know what I'm dealing with here. You don't want to know. I'm very confused. I just don't know. You're listening to Victoria Stillwell Positively Podcast, and you know what I found out? What? I found out that actually if you're not sitting at your computer near Wi-Fi, say you're going on a trip and you want to listen to us, you can download us on iTunes. Yeah, you can. I love that. We go with you anywhere and everywhere. Yeah, you bet. Just make sure you brought us sunscreen. (laughs) So I understand that since we did such a successful quiz last time that you want to test my brilliant knowledge about dogs this week, too. I thought you were pretty great last time, so (laughs) I've got something a little harder for you. But I, I, I want to know how well you know your dog. So this is a little quiz oh. about dog senses. Okay. Okay. So um, <laughs> okay. are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. All right. Um, first one. Mm-hmm. Do dogs have more taste buds than humans? I'm going to say... Oh, that's a good... I'm going to say no, and I'll tell you why. Because my dog could care less what dog food I give him. He just downs his food. So I'm going to say no. Okay, and you are absolutely right. Dogs... <laughs> Yeah. Dogs have about 1,700 taste buds. Mm-hmm. We humans have 9,000. So what don't they taste? Do we know? Well, they actually don't. Well, they taste, obviously, all food, mm-hmm. but they are less apt to desire sweet things. Oh, see, I should have been born a dog. Yeah. Clothes would so, so should I. <laughs> so should I. Um and uh, and cats, 470. Mm-hmm. That's it? That's it. But then how come when I open a can of tuna, my cat will come running from anywhere? Well, that's because it's the sense of smell, isn't it? Oh, quite right. The sense of smell and of cat is pretty great. And you definitely tuna, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Right. Um, all right. What is the dark part of a dog's nose called? You know, the nose. The nose. The dark part. <laughs> the part. The dark part. The nose. <laughs> It's a nose. It's a, yeah, but there's a special name for it. Who knew? What what is it? It's called the leather. The Don't leather. You know, the leather. Okay, look at right. your dog's nose and see. It looks like a piece of leather. Now, are, are they supposed to feel? Someone said, "Oh, it's supposed to feel warm and moist." Someone said, "It's supposed to feel." Dr-. The moisture on a dog's nose is so that it can trap scent molecules. Mm-hmm. So the scent molecules have more of a chance of staying within the no- nasal area mm. and drifting up into the nasal passages. So that's why that mucus is there. Can you tell if a dog's sick by its nose? Well, you can. If a dog's nose is hot and is not moist, there could be something going on. Hmm. I mean, but, but, but always be careful because when a dog wakes up from a nap, mm-hmm. sometimes the, the nose isn't as cold and as moist as it would be during the day. So it doesn't necessarily mean your dog is sick, but it could be an indicator. That's good to know because I'm the paranoid one. If my dog's panting and she hasn't been running, I'm like feeling for a pulse and timing <laughs> if she's sick or there's a fever or something. So good to know. All right. That's, that's, uh, that's good. Okay. All right. Now, next question. Okay. Can dogs hear higher pitches than humans? You know, I I tend to think it's a myth. I mean, every once in a while, I'll sit there and my dog seems to hear. So I think they just have better hearing, but I don't know that it's higher. So I'm going to say no. They can hear higher pitches. They can. Yeah. Now, let's take a piano, a normal piano. If you added another 48 notes to the top of the piano, the Mm -hmm. high part of the piano, that's how high a dog can hear. 
Really? And we humans can only hear the first 20 of those last 48 notes. What? So that's the difference. Why Don't ask that? me how. <laughs> Don't ask me how. <laughs> that's bizarre. Wonder, can they hear better than we can, though? Because honestly, sometimes we'll be sitting in the family room. I'll be reading a book. All you hear is, you know, sounds of nature. And out of nowhere, both of my dogs will get up and run to the front. And I've heard nothing. Yeah, I really do believe. I believe that they that they can hear better than we can in certain situations. Um, and also dogs, you know, dogs' ears. And again, we've bred dogs to have so many different kinds of um, differences with regards to their ears. Mm-hmm. But the dogs that are the reason why a lot of people crop their Doberman's ears, right. for example, is that when those ears are standing upright, they can catch sound easier than the floppy-haired dog. Uh-huh. So German Shepherds, for example, have pretty sensitive hearing. And the ears are mobile as well, right. and they can catch sound from every single direction. So I think they're much better hearing machines than we are. Well, but now I get why my hound dog basically doesn't really come when I call him except three times. But what's the excuse for my husband? Because he doesn't seem to have puppy ears. I'll have to figure that one out later. That's called selective hearing. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's called marriage. Yes, it anyway. is called marriage. <laughs> um, oh, and as we were going on about noses before, mm-hmm. I want to ask you my last question. A human has around 5 million scent receptors in their nose. Mm-hmm. How many scent receptors does a dog have? Gosh. Well, they probably have more, but... Eight million? Well, it's kind of shocking, but on average, yeah. 220 million. Their primary sense is smell, right. whereas a person's primary sense is vision. So we have 5 million, they have around 220 million. And so, that's why they're such great centers. The bloodhound being the best center. Right. I have a black and tan coon hound, and he always has his nose to the ground. But now, if I were to put on, say, perfume... Does that bother a dog more? Because then if they're so sensitive and I can smell it, that's got to drive them crazy. Well, that and that's what people say to me. Well, if dogs have such sensitive noses, why do they A, sniff each other's butts or sniff each <laughs> other's poop on the ground? It is right, a good right? point. And I think uh, not so much that that scent would irritate them. In fact, we use a lot of kind of A, sensory scent stimulation, but we also use stuff for... Um, uh, we also use nasal stimulation for things like separation anxiety, mm-hmm. whereby we stimulate the sense of smell with a person's perfume in good times, for example, when a person's coming back through the door. Oh. So that the dog begins to associate that perfume with good feelings. My person's coming back. So the dog that sought separation anxiety, uh-huh. if you spray that scent just by the door as you go out that's said to calm the dog down because it smells that scent and if you've done your training properly it can smell that scent and that scent means you're coming back do you get what I mean? I do now would you do something like spray a piece of clothing with your perfume and leave it for the dog so they don't feel that you're so far away does that work? I don't think you even need to do that because you have obviously sweat glands on your body Uh you emit smells anyway so your clothing even if you just touched it or certainly wearing it you could leave with your dog and that would give them a sense of comfort people always often ask me 
my dog peed on my bed when I left it went and peed on my bed mm-hmm. well one of the reasons is that peeing is an expression of anxiety and they go to the smelliest place and really where is the smelliest place in your home it's going to be your bed and that's why a lot of dogs will mark either on the bed or the sofa where your bottom's been so much there that we learn go. on Victoria's Still Well Positively podcast let's just go there all the way <laughs> <laughs> any questions I had a question I wanted to ask um, <sighs> Just ask the question. You're hanging with Victoria Stowell's Positively Podcast. I'm Holly Furfer, and we're talking about so many different things, and I know that uh, you get a lot of questions. A lot of people want to know a lot of things because they've seen it's Mirror the Dog on Animal Planet, but you don't always just deal with problems. You also work with organizations that help rescues. Talk about Paws Atlanta. Paws Atlanta uh, it was a show that aired on the 19th of June and it was a shelter that I've been affiliated with that was really seeing some desperate times especially mm-hmm. with the economy with mismanagement there were um, there are no kill shelter but they're warehousing dogs they weren't able to get uh, enough adoptions the dogs that they were adopting out were being returned so they really were in financial crisis and the show it's me or the dog and myself we went along there and we basically did a shelter makeover not just physically Mm -hmm. but we we i showed them how to have more effective adoptions how to keep the dogs from being less stressed when they're Mm -hmm. in the shelter how to have dogs adopted to the right kind of homes and not being returned how to warehouse less um uh, much more community support that kind of thing and it really was the most incredible program and at the end of it I had a surprise for them and the surprise was they went through all of this training they had no idea that any money was coming to them whatsoever right. but Lowe's wonderful Lowe's mm-hmm. donated $250,000 for You're a makeover of the shelter which is practically falling down and in fact that that um, went up to about $350,000. Wow. So on the last day, just as I was about to leave, and everybody was exhausted after three days of filming, we're like, okay, mm-hmm. we're very happy you, you came here, but just please go. Um, I said, I have one more thing for you. Aww. And I led all the workers out to the front yard where they saw all these huge trucks full of lumber and dog houses and beautiful trees for landscaping and dog bowls you name it they had it and over a period of a week Lowe's completely transformed the shelter wow that is absolutely incredible I cannot wait to see that episode and I know that um we can follow you on Twitter it's uh, twitter.com slash it's me or the dog and you can find out about that episode and a bunch of other episodes that you'll be filming so that's very cool okay but I do know that a lot of people have questions and we have to ask Victoria um, starting with Rachel because Rachel has a serious issue here she says she has a dog Zoe who was astray for about five years and they got her about three years ago she's a little obsessive about some things like she will herd her dad whenever he's in the kitchen making any kind of noise and when her little brother and his friends run around She'll herd them, too. And she said, whenever my other dog, Biscuit, runs around and plays with his toys, she'll herd him, too. And she said, it's becoming very annoying. We've tried a lot of things to fix the issue. Please help. Now, it sounds like it's funny, but actually that could be a really serious issue, couldn't it? Yeah, I can't, especially when you have children. What kind mm-hmm. of dog is she? Um, it doesn't say. It just I would imagine some kind of a collie or a shepherd. Or yeah, some sort of herding mm-hmm. breed. Um, 
obviously so many of these dogs were bred to work and so many of these dogs it's instinct in them that especially if they were bred to herd in their past it, it can still come out in your dog even if your dog is a cross breed or a mixed breed so it sounds like this dog needs to herd mm -hmm. now I don't know where she lives but there are organizations all around the United States <laughs> of America where people can go take their herding dog mm -hmm. and herd real sheep Wow and uh, actually this doesn't encourage your dog to herd your family more <laughs> but it gets all that herding desire out on something positive rather than something negative when you have kids it's all about teaching a not to laugh at it because as uh, what happens when the dog's a puppy right and it, it it does it does look cute to begin right. with that behavior is reinforced by the family's reaction mm -hmm. so then the dog grows becomes an adult then the kids are running around the kids have their friends running around the dog starts nipping at heels and then it gets serious it's to really teach your dog impulse control management and impulse control the impulse control is a leave it by saying you are absolutely not allowed to run after these children mm -hmm. a management means that you keep the dog away when the children are running around or definitely when they have friends around and the third thing is to allow your dog to be able to get rid of all its energy and its herding instincts on something else now if you can't go the, the route of going and getting um, herding lessons as it were a lot of these dogs love to chase balls or toys so go into your backyard and throw the ball. Mm -hmm. Do chase games with toys rather than having your dog chase people. And hopefully you will get all of that energy out onto something positive rather than chasing the kids. And good luck, because it's hard. I bet. All right, here's another question for you. It says, my dog is 22. 22. And the last few years he's become deaf. He used to be very obedient because he could always hear his commands. I have retrained him using hand signals to sit, lie down, leave, and stay. However, when I let him off the lead, his recall is now terrible. He will come back if he sees me, but I was wondering if there's anything I can do when he doesn't see me, when he finds a smell he likes and follows it. The dog is 22. Maybe they meant to say 12, but regardless, I think it's an elderly dog. Wow. <laughs> I know. Yes. What are you feeding this dog is what I want to know, first yeah. of all, but... That, that has to be one of the oldest dogs. I think the, the, the oldest ever dog was 24, or was it 26? Wow. Okay. A dog must be tiny, but okay. well, what do you do? Um, it, very hard, especially for a dog that is old like that. Mm -hmm. um, but there are certain collars that you can get which vibrate. These are not shock collars. Right. I we do not like reiterate. shock collars. No, 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 no. <laughs> but what you do, you put a collar like this on a dog, on a deaf dog and it vibrates remotely um, and you vibrate the collar treat the dog vibrate the collar treat the dog vibrate treat vibrate treat so that you build up association that vibrate means good things are going to happen to it and then you stand a little bit further away vibrate the collar and then the dog should come to you for a treat Oh. And then you keep on creasing, increasing, increasing the distance until the dog is far away from you. You press the collar, and vibration means turn around, something great's going to happen to you. If your dog's not food motivated, then a toy. Mm -hmm. If your dog's not toy motivated, then hopefully the dog is motivated by your attention. 
you need to find a powerful motivator to associate with that vibrating collar. I kind of think if it's a 22-year-old dog, just let him sit and lay down and relax. Like Get him a beach chair somewhere and be done with it. Okay, and uh, one last question for you, um, because we know you do It's Mere the Dog on Animal Planet, and you're going into your fourth season. Third season. Third season. Yeah, but actually I've done eight seasons. Because you did them in the UK. In the you UK. Did, okay, yeah. because this question is from somebody in the UK that says, we're based in the UK and was wondering if Victoria ever casts her show in the UK. That's from Leanne. But now you're here in the States. Sorry, we claimed you. And you've done the show in LA, Atlanta. You're heading to New York. Do you do anything back in the UK? Not at the moment, no. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'd love to be able to in the future, but we did do five seasons there. We did many, many episodes. Um, we're on to our third season here, and it, it just, I mean, it's going from strength to strength here. So I really do hope that one day I'll be mm-hmm. able to go back to Britain to film some more, but we'll have to see. Well, and chances are, if you have an issue, you're going to cover it. And people will learn the skills how to deal with the dogs no matter what country we're yeah. in. And they are showing the seasons, the American seasons, mm-hmm. um, on the Sky Channel in, in, in the UK. Great. All right. And remember, too, you can follow Victoria on Twitter.com slash It's Me or the Dog and find out what the upcoming episodes are. So if you have an issue, she can help you via the TV. Have you ever seen this before? No. I mean, yes, I've seen it before, but it's not mine. Okay, this is probably one of my favorite times of Victoria Stillwell's Positively podcast. You know, we all do it. We're at work. You need a break or you're bored or you just need a laugh. And I search YouTube all the time. And now the last time we spoke, uh, we talked about Basenjis. Now, silly me, I thought Basenjis don't make any noise because they don't bark. Well, I was sorely mistaken. Check out this YouTube clip. Now, you've not seen this yet, have you? No, I haven't. Okay. This is a Basenji singing to... It's owner playing the piano. They're playing the Godfather. He stops with the music and he goes, he crescendos with the music. He's feeling it, Victoria. He's feeling it. to go to your website. Amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, and it goes on for a while and he gets louder and softer. And listen, we're going to put this up on Positively.com slash podcasts. Go to the episode and you will be able to see the actual YouTube clip because it's just as funny to look at it as you're listening to it. And if you uh, are online somewhere when you're done and you want to go check it out, you can always, it's called the Senji Dog Singing. Absolutely that's, that's hilarious. That's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. And let me tell you, too, if you actually, this dog, if you fall in love with this dog like I did, he actually sings to Braveheart as well. And I'm sure he he's got an Brave. amazing repertoire. Oh <laughs> and, you know, sometimes he's actually nearly on pitch. Which is scary. That's incredible. Somebody once told me, and here's a quick question for you before we go. Someone once told me they do that because it hurts their ears, certain pitches. And then I kind of felt badly for laughing, but it seems to me like he's just having a good time. I think he is having a good time. I love it. Yeah. We should all have so much fun. All right. We got to go because you have to go out of town. You have a million things to do, but I want to let people know that you can go to Victoria's Facebook 
page, facebook.com slash Victoria Stillwell. And we have a bunch of information on there. And here on your website, positively.com, people can submit questions. And then twitter.com slash it's me or the dog. You can see what episodes airing. So if you've got issues, you're just so busy. I don't know when you have time to yeah, stop and play with us. It's, but it's better to be busy than not. I like it. All right. Let's go out with the Basenji singing, shall we? Do we still have it? All right. Dave, our engineer, is going to take us out with this lovely Basenji singing, The Godfather. listening to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. Check out more information about this podcast by visiting Positively.com slash podcast. The theme song for the Positively Podcast, Addicted to the Phone, by Elio Pace, is available on iTunes or at eliopace.com. 